This is an ABC podcast. Way back when humans built their first shelters out of bones, mud and stone slabs, the whole family used to huddle by the fire, living together in one room. They had to, to stay alive. And then time advanced and they decided they needed more of a chill-out zone, so famously they used their Stone Age tools to add an extension and the living room was born. You guys have verified this, right? Okay, cool. These days, you're far less likely to be attacked by a large predator in your home. But if you don't implement some living room systems, you run the risk of being buried by your own overburdened bookshelves. Oh, by the kids' toys and and Auntie Sheila's Federation furniture. Oh, God, what what about all the gear you end up with because someone close to you has passed away or downsized or, or you've even ended up with things after a divorce? Ah... I'm Claire Hooper. This is The Pineapple Project. And we're getting tidy because life is messy. Riding shotgun on our trip today is organiser Helen Stanley. Hi, Helen. Hi, Claire. What are the really common problems you see in a living room? Just pretty much too much crap. (laughs) Well, today we're on our way to see Deb and Carl Anthony. So they have a small house... They have three small kids. They both work full-time jobs, so they have a small amount of spare time. Okay, here we are. Let's see what we can find in the Anthony's living room. Hello, doggy. Hello. Hi. You're a nice welcome, aren't you? (gasps) Hello. Hi. Hi, my name is Deb and this is my husband, Carl. Hi. (laughs) And this is our elder son, Redmond. Isabel and Bert. Hi. And this is our tiny house and it is full to the brim of stuff. Walking in, there are two dining tables, an L-shaped couch and another couch butting up against that. There are two big cupboards and some bookshelves filled with stuff and memorabilia. They call them the specials cabinets. In the middle of the room, there's also a table with what looks like machinery on it and peppered throughout all of that are three kids, one small dog and the biggest domestic cat I've ever seen. The books, we can see, are sort of no longer actually on the bookshelves. <laughs> They've just sort of, yeah, gone out into the piles. And then we have the, the computer in the corner, which we've always made the joke since we moved in that there's the dying room, here's the lounge room, there's the study, <laughs> there's the library. Yeah. Just to be clear, Carl said dining room, not dying room. That's sort of the the four corners of the room um, each have a distinct role even though it's not very large. (laughs) When we walked in I was like it's like a film set because it does have that like very talented people would take a long time to create a a room for a movie that looks so thoroughly lived in. Do you know what I mean? Right now, Deb and Carl are designing an extension to their property, but Helen says more space doesn't mean less clutter, and the living room is bursting at the seams. You can tell that you have rich and gorgeous lives because you look around and it's like, oh, I can see you travel, I can see you do this, I can see you do that. 
from everything that's around. That's a polite way of saying it's very crowded. No, well, but, it, you know, look, it's, it's crowded and the problem is when things are too crowded, you don't see mm. everything that's there. So it's a matter of, oh, you know, what's still, you know, what, what's most special to me? What do I want to have out? But what happens in this room? There's dump five, and run. Dump and run. But there's five of you. I mean, do you hang out here as a family of five? Yeah. So what do you want to achieve? I feel like that there just feels like it's... Oh, I don't even know. What, what's that word? What's that? Falling in on you? Yeah, I just feel totally surrounded, covered, smothered, and it actually does stress me out. It really stresses me out. So I'd love to figure out a way that I could have things without the internal chaos. All right, with a lot of clutter to get through, we start small, with the first thing you see when you enter the living room. We come home from work or school and we literally just dump our bags, they change their clothes, they put their basketball gear on, run out the door. I'll, you know, some nights I work until nine, don't get home from work until nine o'clock, so I just dump the stuff, eat my dinner, sit on the couch. It's literally just... A transition point, that table come, you know, Saturday morning is just piled with a week's worth of stuff. In this house, that table is working double time. It cops school bags and kids' artwork and drink bottles when everyone walks in the door. It's like, you know, that song. Gateway to the clutter zone. Love that movie. Helen reckons if you shut down the table as a clutter zone, you can stop it spreading throughout the house. So would there be, like, for school bags and stuff like that, whether or not it's worth putting several hooks out the front to do the, when the kid's coming from school, bang, 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 so you don't have all that stuff... Genius. ..all over the floor, all over your table, you've just got a point. So the kids know, that's where I put my bag when I come in, that might have their swimming stuff on it, whatever. You might have a little sort of chest of something that has got their washed, you know, if they're doing swimming, their towel, their goggles, their bathers, their basketball stuff, whatever, in a little drawer or in a little pull-out basket kind of thing. So it's there, it's safe from the weather, you've got to, no one's going to come in and steal it and it means it's just out there and you don't have to wade through it to come in here. That's amazing. I think that's a great idea. So an excellent idea. And it also gets these guys into a really good habit of this is where I, this is what I do when I get home. Yes, somewhere for the kids to put their gear at the end of the day. You can use a hook or a locker or a basket and give it to your small human to look after. This will take some training, but it's very worth it. Next, it's time to tackle the layers of books from floor to ceiling. And yes, I know we have all those feelings about books. Someone gave it to me. I might finally read the last chapter one day. But what if the internet shuts down? But can you imagine if you applied that logic to every single book or bit of printed learning that ever came your way? You're both read obviously readers. And is there a reason that you keep... Like, are they all special books or do you give books to, you know... Recycle or the Brotherhood or whoever it might be. It's just you you buy a book so you keep the book. Yeah, right. I tend to right. read them again and again. Right, and okay. Again. So. Yeah, I couldn't imagine throwing a book out. <laughs> Would you give it away? No. No? No. Until very recently, when we, well, actually, until we put the table there, then, yeah, I knew exactly where on the shelves right. different sort of books were. Okay. Yeah. 
If you've kept a book and it's that significant to you that you want to read it again or you want to use it for reference or whatever and then you go to find it and I don't know where it would be, it's, it's in this massive collection, nine times out of ten people will get frustrated and do the, you know what, I'll just go out and buy another copy or I'll download it or I'll do whatever. This is not the only room that has bookshelves. Right. Every room has bookshelves. Okay. You know? So we, even if we could keep this and systemise it, you say, right, that whole wall is going to be bookshelf mm-hmm. and you really need to set a bit of a precedent in your own mind and say, right, this, this is the space I have got for my books. From now on, when I have a new one in, I need to, like, is there one there that I haven't reread for five years or ten years? One for, in, one out. One in, because otherwise you are going to end up <laughs> with a whole house full because it will eventually take over your house. And don't just pulp those beautiful books. Pass them on to someone who hasn't read them. Here are three suggestions to get your giveaway started. One, gift them. See if your friends or family want to read them. You could always just snap a photo and post it on social media or text it to a few people who live nearby. We've all got one friend who hasn't read Fifty Shades of Grey yet. Two... Make a bit of cash. See if your local secondhand bookshop will buy them off you or hop online, pop them on eBay to rack them off. Three, donate. Bundle them up, take them to an op shop or a charity shop near you. A quick Google search will often reveal the charities in your area that need books. Or if you're lucky enough to have a street library, ask if they have room for a few more titles. You're literally spreading the good word. Aww. And the problem with having a lot of print books too is as the paper ages, it gets really stinky, it turns into dust and then you just have this huge, dusty, smelly, old book Mm. kind of room and Mm. you don't want to be living and breathing in that. But you do need to sort of do the right, this is it, line in the sand, one in, one out. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff in here, but there's one thing I can't take my eyes off. In the middle of the room blocking the view of the telly. There's a chair and a desk covered in, like, tools and metal stuff. And actually, Carl, what is that? I started doing silversmithing a couple of years ago after Deb got me a a short course um, for my birthday. And over time, I gradually have built up a whole lot of tools. Um, We've got the desk from the side of the road and I've nailed a old computer desk onto the top of that and then yeah, gradually collected the, the rolling mill over there which is used to flatten out bits of metal and we've got saws and pliers and punches and all sorts of things there that you can see sort of spread out. Yes. <laughs> oh, Carl, an entire silversmithing setup. Like a, a permanent silversmithing setup. I mean, I get it, I'm a crafter, but um, that is next level. <laughs> How's that extension coming along? Am I right? So, we probably need to create something in this space that is probably a little more orderly, that maybe even has some storage underneath it and have it all sort of in one yes. spot. So, you know, maybe with a few drawers that you can put all those bits and pieces in because even removing that visual clutter mm. will do the. Oh, that feels better to be around. 
Absolutely. And, that, you know, there will probably always be something, you know, being worked on that's going to be on the top, but there won't be, you know, four pairs of glasses, there won't be, you know, 27 pairs of pliers or whatever. They can yeah. be somewhere a little bit more orderly. How many tables are in this room? No, seriously, four, five, antique, office, silversmithing, dining table. That's a lot of surfaces. I mean, yeah. every room needs two dining tables in it, don't they? Yeah, that is interesting. Ask, so is that in a family heirloom? Right. Yeah. So you don't want to get rid of it because it's... Yeah. Yeah, my yep. grandmother's. Yep. And that's understandable? Yeah. I don't oh. have anywhere for it. And it won't fit all of you around it? No. It? No, it's too small. Okay, I can tell there's a lot of stuff in this home that really means a lot to these guys. Like this large circular antique table that doesn't quite fit properly and is covered with stuff. I'm not judging. This is living. If someone in your family hands down an heirloom, it's pretty tricky to be like, oh, no, I'll just pop it on the side of the road for council cleanup. So you keep it and the stuff piles up. It can be a real emotional wrench and you've got to be in the right frame of mind to be in the position, like to, to say... I'm going to get rid of it, I'm going to get rid of it. You, you've got to be happy with what you've got because you wouldn't be happy if I walked in and did the, guess what, guys, we're getting rid of all these books. You can choose 10 each and that's it. You know, the kids would do the what's happened to our house. Like yeah. your, your house would lose its spirit almost. Yeah. So what you need to do is, you know, what, what we need to focus on is just getting more usable spaces, thinking about, you know, I know you bought your big couch for when you've got the bigger room. So thinking about the space that you've got available mm. and trying to remove sort of duplicate items. So, you know, the, probably the big thing, I look at the two dining tables, know that one's incredibly important to you. This one is probably the far more practical one for you to use every day. So what do we do with this one? Is there going to be a space in the, the sort of new wing that you can use it? Or if it's something that's a family heirloom, is there someone else in your family that can take it as a caretaker for, you know, five years, ten years, whatever it might be, mm. until you can sort of reclaim your kitchen table to be one that needs to, you know, be pretty rather than practical? That's a good idea. That's a good idea. What's the point in having it there? Mm. And we couldn't have our Christmas tree because it was there. Yeah. Yeah, we were looking at storage space. Yeah, you know, and storage space sport, is storage. ridiculously expensive and yeah. it's dead It's dead money. Absolutely. The thing is that when you store something like that too, even with a an antique, and I, I'm sort of speaking from experience, when I divorced and I sold my house and moved in with my now husband... I had a house full, like I had a three-bedroom house full of furniture and included in that was my grandmother's dining table and it was like, oh, you know, I've got this dining table, it's beautiful, I don't want to lose it because it is part of my family history. So I put this whole house in storage because we had everything that we needed at Gabriel's place. I took out a few key things and I had that stuff in storage for three and a half years. But I look at what it cost me in storage for three and a half years and it was it was half a mortgage a month what I was paying it was like four or five hundred dollars a month for storage I've still got the couch that was that was mine and it's like oh it's on on this with my ex-husband exactly exactly (laughs) so we are about to replace that couch but it's like it's I, I looked at it and just thought I would have been so much better off to just get rid of it but, you know, um, it's great that you 
got a couch climbing bag in because I reckon Deb and Carl could fit it in here. <laughs> oh, there can be no more stuff in here. No, really, no more stuff in here after the table, the books, the silversmithing equipment and the unused dining table. Let's not forget about those special cupboards. Those are the glass cabinets lining the walls, brimming with unique and precious trinkets, and there are a lot of trinkets. So we have some pipes, which belongs to my grandfather. Um, mortarboards that Deb wore when she graduated from... That's Europe. Pinocchio. We got him in Italy when we got married in Italy. Ah, that's, that's Carl. That's an emu egg. Yeah, that's not quite so special, but it's funny. It's a uh, little money purse with a... I don't know what you call that. The, the rude finger. The rude, rude finger. Rude yeah. Gesture. That's right. Middle finger. That's right. So it's not quite so Gifts, platters and things that people have uh, given what us. We've got, we've got some Lego that was Glasses. That was uh, a, a dinosaur that one of the Elliot kids has made that in school. Elliot bought that in Mortman. kids' money boxes and uh, money have got um, seashells. I don't even know where so they came from. many memories. What do you have to say about it, professional organiser Helen? No, I'm, I'm looking at the specials cupboard and just thinking Mary so much... Amazing stuff in yeah. there. My gut feel is I just look at that and it's you, you can't pick out what's in there. And I'm sure there's probably been things over the years that you've done that, oh, I've got nowhere else to put it. I'll just stick it in there. Absolutely. Because the other thing is here too, to put all your like items together. So say with all your teapots, put all your teapots together, put all your cups and saucers together. So it's sort of a collection of it started one type way. of yeah. thing. So yeah, think things that can be used are there to be enjoyed. So having them in a cupboard, even though they're, you know, they're precious, I would rather know that you're using them a lot and then maybe something gets broken and you can have it fixed rather than it's in there, you take it out to show someone and you drop it and you crack it and it's never yeah. lived its life how it should have. Okay, Carl, Deb, kids, we're going to give you a couple of weeks to really put all that into action. You know what to do. We'll check back in and see how you went. Good luck with the silversmithing gear and the extension. Right, let's get this show on the road. Helen, how do you like their chances of success? People have got to be ready to, to make that decision and they've got to have reached a point where they think this is now beyond a joke. They obviously think they can manage it, but within I would expect within four or five years that they will be at Pussy's Boat. So they're putting on another room to sort of house a lot of this stuff. That's costing them a lot of money. So it's now just going to keep costing them more and more money, not only in the sense of the stuff that they're buying, but the valuable real estate that it's taking up and those kids are going to start bringing their friends over that house is not going to get less busy it's going to get much more busy oh Helen you speak the truth there was a lot going on at Carl and Deb's place and you know what we are all Carl and Deb on some level that's the way it is with the living room all that living you're bound to end up with a lot of stuff that's not supposed to be there how about while Carl and Deb start chipping away at those decluttering systems, we take a look at the bigger picture. Time to get out my magic coffee pot and make myself a delicious flat What? Hang on, no, the declutter genie of Peter Walsh. Oh, hi. So living rooms. Look, living rooms are generally multi-purpose spaces. A lot of things happen in that space. So the best thing to do is to get everyone in the room who uses the room and decide what are the main functions. Video games, reading, TV, homework, craft, whatever it is, and designate a specific space 
for each of those activities. A shelf, a bookcase, a cupboard, a drawer, I don't care. And that's where you have to keep your particular stuff. That's where it lives. That's where you have to put it away. And by designating a space and setting a limit for each of those activities, it'll go a long way to keeping that space clear, tidy and organised. Mm. I'm... <laughs> I'm seeing a cupboard for the silversmithing equipment in Carl's future. <laughs> you know, one of the things is that hobbies can easily take over a space and there's nothing wrong with a hobby. But the thing is, it's a shared space. So if the family agrees that you can designate half the living room to silversmithing or bookbinding or, you know... Um, uh, what are some other big... Tapestry you know, weaving, that's a big one. Bikram yoga, Ooh. then knock yourself out. But otherwise, you have to fit in with what's agreed and negotiated by the whole household. Yeah, you're only 20% of the family. You got it. Carl and Deb's situation, all those special items and that table they've inherited, it makes me think about another pretty big issue. How do you deal with all the stuff you inherit when someone dies? And, like, should you be downsizing so that your kids don't have to deal with the same clutter when you die? Yeah. Um, my, my own mother passed away two years ago and I'm one of, I'm one of seven kids and we went through this process after mum died with all the stuff in her house. And to summarise it really quickly, when everything is important, nothing is important. When everything's important, nothing is important. So the way you deal with the stuff from a, you know, someone who's close to you who's gone, I'll illustrate with a story first. I worked with a woman a few years ago whose grandmother, she was very close to her grandmother. Her grandmother passed away. She took every single item from her grandmother's home, everything, and put it in storage, the whole house. 26 years it was in storage. <gasps> every single item. She'd never, ever dealt with the grief. What you have to do is to find what I call the treasures. Now, the treasures are not just something that your deceased, let's say it's a parent we're dealing with, not just something that was important to them, but the best of the best of the best. So that means the one item that represents the best holiday you had, the one item that represents the best Christmas that you had, the one item, and you can go down the list, the best of the best, and pull what I call the treasures out and treat those items with honour and respect. And the fact is, after that, you have to be prepared to let everything else go. That's, it's, it's as simple as that, because it is their life, not your life. And what you're really dealing with is your grief. And you're working through your grief through their stuff. And in the case of this, this young woman who'd held on to all of her grandmother's stuff, it turned out that she and her grandmother had loved baking. That was the thing they did. So we pulled the boxes out from the kitchen and we found recipe cards in her grandmother's handwriting. We found cookie cutters and other items that she remembered making using with her grandmother. We got a huge box frame and framed those items and hung them in her kitchen. So every time she looked at those items, it made her heart sing. And so once she had those treasures, that that memory was preserved with honour and respect, she was able, with, with relatively little effort, to let go of everything else. So it's to find the treasures, treat them with honour and respect, 
pass other items to family or friends who might need them and then to let them go because no one who loved you expects you to be burdened with their stuff for the rest of your, their life. That's not love. That's not love. That's, that's I some, was thinking yeah. of her grandmother. Her grandmother would not have wanted her to have 25 years of storage bills. No. I'm sure of it. There's no doubt. And, and my mother, your mother, your, you know, your partner, whoever who's passed away, your grandparents, would not want you burdened with their stuff. And if they did, then, as I say, that's not love. That's some weird, twisted version of the importance of what we own. But it's part of the grief process. But the, the worst thing you can do, though, is to box stuff up and put it in your garage. Because the moment you do that, you delay dealing with it and... Um, Delaying, I you know, I use the word later, later, later is the best friend of clutter. The moment you start using the word late, I'll deal with that later, I'll put that away later, I'll look at that later, I'll file that later, I'll fold that later. The moment you start using the word later, you're inviting clutter and disorganisation into your home. And especially with stuff from a deceased family member, you need to work through the grief and deal with the stuff as quickly as, as is comfortable for you. But it's about focusing on the treasures. I'm not making excuses, but I'm looking for you to help me with a plan. Mm-hmm. I would like to go through boxes of of old treasures to find the real treasures. I can't do that with my kids around. So I do have to keep saying later because if I pull out boxes with my two and four-year-old yeah, around, it's, a, it's night- a nightmare. Sure. So what do we do? We make... We make an hour a week. What do we? What's yeah. what's a reasonable? Yeah, you know, it's for stuff in your home. It doesn't seem like much time, but ten minutes a day makes a huge difference over time. So, why are you delaying doing it? Oh, you asking me again? You bet I am. Why am I delaying doing it? What's in because the bo- I've always got a project I'm more interested in the- at the moment. <laughs> I'm sewing my daughter the best fairy queen costume. She is going to freak when she sees it, and I just can't wait to like get. Okay, back over here. Okay. Back up. Back. We're over here. We're over here. We're over but here. But you can imagine how that brings me a lot more joy than going through boxes yeah. full of hard decisions. Because the last time I tried to sit down and go through a box, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do a half hour. I'm but what's in- no, no, it? No, and stop, the first stop, thing I listed stop, out was stop, a stop, letter stop, that my grandmother stop. wrote, and then I burst into tears, okay. and then the pomodoro was over. Well, then what you should do, what you should do then is find the best of those letters and frame them and hang them somewhere in your house where instead of making you cry, when you walk past them, you'll smile. Your kids will say, hey, mum, what's that letter? And you'll say, this was your grandmother, who, your great-grandmother who you never knew. This is what she was like. Oh, here's a photo of me at your age with her in the frame. And she, she always made me happy when I think of her. And I hope one day you'll have this letter and hang it with you know, also a letter from your own grandmother, my mother. I mean, don't give it power over you. Take the power away from it by bringing it out in the open, talking about it and letting it make your heart sing. Yeah. I mean, it's probably only making me cry because I feel guilty that I'm not taking the time to think about her. Maybe so. Okay. Thanks, Declutter Jeannie Peter Walsh. Back to the coffee pot that you illogically choose to live in. So, you want to tackle your living room? Here are some simple tips to get started. One, find a place to easily dump bags at the end of the day. A hook or a locker or a basket near your home's entrance will mean your gear won't live on the table or couch. Two, books. One in, one out. It's a tough policy, but if... 
if you keep every book you ever bought, you're going to end up living in a house that's basically just books. And three, when it comes to family heirlooms, use them. This goes for big items like tables or smaller functional objects. Let that teacup live its life. All right, how did Deb and Carl get on in that very crowded living room? We checked back in with them a few weeks after poking our noses around. We have started some things. You know, we did get rid of some books. Uh, Deb went through one of the bookshelves in the uh, lounge room area and that is now looking much better. We got rid of the huge pile of games from off the top of the specials cabinet. So slowly we are getting there. Uh, the antique table is still here in the corner, but it doesn't have as much stuff piled on top of it anymore. And it is on its way out. We're just waiting for a friend to tell us when and where to send it. And we're done. Look, in terms of the specials cabinet, we've filed that away for the future because I decided there was no point doing that now and then in six months' time when the extension's built to move it all again. There's been rearrangements in the rumpus room to move some of the silversmithing bits and pieces off the desk and out of the way so it's not looking quite so cluttered and messy as it was. Uh, Right now I'm watching on an online auction a three old school vintage locker set up so the kids can put all their things in there. Uh, it, It is feeling different. It's certainly looking and feeling much neater and not as chaotic. I'm finding it far less overwhelming not having all of those board games piled to the ceiling and the bookshelves in, you know, the ones beside the specials cabinet aren't so higgledy-piggledy, so it's much less overwhelming. One thing that's been very interesting is having the children here present while those conversations were going on has changed, particularly the elder two, how they think about things. So they're much more willing to send something to the op shop now. I don't have to fight with them about that. Or they'll say, why don't I pass this on to somebody? Or, you know, maybe I don't need that anymore. So having the children here for that conversation was wonderful. Those are some big steps for Carl and Deb. And I have it on good authority that the board games on top of the specials cupboard don't even touch the ceiling anymore. Well done. Alrighty. By now, a lot of us have made pledges. I promised to get on top of my very cluttered kitchen and um, I'm still in um, planning mode. I'm working up to it. (laughs) Be better, Claire. I'll get there. How are you going? This is about you, after all. If you've been inspired to bring a bit of order back to your life, I'd love to hear about it. Email me on pineapple at abc.net.au. I'd even love to see photos. You can also call me to boast about your progress that I haven't made. Leave me a message on 1300 641 222. I'm Claire Hooper, and that's what we do here on The Pineapple Project. We take the really prickly stuff and we make it a bit sweeter to deal with. So let's get tidy, because, you know, life is messy. Next on The Pineapple Project. Everyone needs clean bodies and clean clothes. But bathrooms and laundries can get oh so dirty and gross. The bathroom is the hardest Tetris level. The simple steps you need to get these spaces under control, especially if you're renting. If you don't have a spot to hang your towel 
it creates a lot more laundry. That's next on The Pineapple Project. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or hear it in the ABC Listen app. This is a production of ABC Audio Studios. Thank you.